you know, God's word tells us that he's the father of the fatherless and we need to be caring for orphans, uh, vulnerable children, anyone who's vulnerable. And I think that it has truly brought the gospel to life and very active in serving here in Haiti and working with uh, in orphan care. James 1.27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world. Welcome to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, a podcast taking you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and November is National Adoption Month. This month aims to bring awareness that every day, vulnerable children are abandoned, neglected, or orphaned. And the numbers continue to grow, and the pandemic has slowed the opportunity of international adoption. And so, in honor of bringing awareness to this growing need, we wanted to share how Samaritan's Purse is focused on orphan care, and also why this this topic is so personal to both my husband, Edward, and I, um, and why we, we see the need for adoption. There are 160 million orphans globally, and less than 1% of these kids will be adopted. And so, that, that leaves a huge need for the care of vulnerable and orphaned children. And so today, we want to talk about how all around the world, Samaritan's Purse is helping orphans to receive the love and care that they need, but also supporting hurting families physically and spiritually. And I love the way that this ministry doesn't have a one-size-fits-all approach. We take time to find out the true needs of orphans and their caregivers around the world and strive to meet them. And so the first person I want to introduce you to today is Penny Farrow. Penny oversees the Samaritan's Purse Greta Home and Academy, which provides a Christian environment for orphans and vulnerable children in Haiti. It it began after the terrible earthquake in 2010, and its vision is to train young men and women to become leaders in their community. So after the earthquake, um, there were just um, many children that were without homes, uh, without families, may have been separated from their families. And uh, certainly uh, Franklin Graham saw the need to provide uh, care to children who had either been orphaned or were just in a vulnerable status. And uh, the Greta Holman Academy was birthed. Um, We have several different programs, and one is our residential program, and this is our, these are our children. Our youngest is just turned seven years old, and it goes to 14 years old, and that's the residential program, and they live here on the main campus in family groups. Uh, Each group has a mama and a papa, caretakers that care for them in a family-like setting, because God designed the family, and he wants children to be in families, and so we've created a family-like atmosphere for all of them here, and then once the children get into their teenage years and they turn 15, they move into our semi-independent living program. And we have some of those children that those teenagers live here or they live off campus in a home in the community with mentors. Uh, So the semi-independent program focuses on preparing them for life uh, after they finish their classical schooling, uh, teaching them life skills and preparing them for their first job. Many of them go to vocational training and learn trades and um, also some of them desire to go on to university. 
Currently, there are 60 children in the residential program and an additional 240 children from the local community receiving a biblical education. All the kids have gone through The Greatest Journey, which is a discipleship program through Operation Christmas Child. It teaches them about the gospel and sharing Jesus Christ with others. The team at the Greta Home has a family reunification program that helps the children reunite with their birth family or extended family members. I love the way that the Greta Home seeks to disciple and have relationships with these families. Reunification is, if safely possible, is really the best thing for the children. And it's a blessing to see families restored. Children truly are a blessing and a heritage from the Lord. But I know that in poverty and desperate circumstances, parents don't often feel that they're able to provide. And I grieve for parents who have to make difficult choices and aren't able to care for their kids as they desire to. And I I rejoice when families can find hope and healing in Jesus and see their children as the gift that they are. I love Psalm 127 that says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand in vain. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I love the way that Samaritan's Purse desires to keep families intact in our child and maternal projects, feeding programs, and so many more. But here is how Penny shares that reunification is important in the Greta home. So certainly our goal with uh, our children is, can they be reunified with their families? And we have reunified almost 30 children so far uh, over the years with their family. And so we have a family reunification and strengthening program because we want the children to be reunified in a, into a safe and, and loving home. And so we work with the families, with the parents. We do parenting seminars, nutrition seminars. We help with income generation activities for the families so that when their child is returned to them, uh, they can continue to uh, you know, provide for their family and send them to school and uh, continue to help them and to prepare them uh, for their lives. So the Family Reunification and Strengthening Program was something that we started several years ago uh, to, in order for the children to be able to return home. Some of our, I call them children, but some of our teenagers and uh, young adults uh, have been reintegrated into the local community because they may not have had a uh, family that they would be able to return to. So they have uh, started their own uh, businesses in the local community are planning to open up their businesses. And some of them are in um, classical schooling and finishing up their classical schooling. You know, God's word tells us that he is the father of the fatherless and we need to be caring for orphans, uh, vulnerable children, anyone who's vulnerable. And I think that it has truly brought the gospel to life and very active in serving here in Haiti and working with uh, in orphan care and reunifying children with their families and putting them back into kinship care uh, with relatives or with their birth parents when possible uh, and just seeing just the Lord working uh, throughout all the programs at uh, the Greta Home uh, to ensure that children are loved 
and they first know that they're loved by God. And secondly, that there are many people who love them and are praying for them and supporting them. I love the verse that Penny shared in Psalm 68, 5. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. Since God cares about the fatherless, we as the church should too. Locally and globally, we should be loving, praying, and pursuing the fatherless. Another orphanage program that Samaritan's Purse supports is the Christian Happy Homes through Mercy Ministries in Thailand and Cambodia. The baby's homes are for children who would otherwise be living in poverty or on the street. The orphanages care for the kids from infancy to age 19 in a safe, secure, and loving environment. This past April, I was able to talk to my dear friend, Marg Baker, the director of Mercy Ministries, about how God is working through these children who are made in His image. You mentioned Mercy Ministries, you you mentioned the baby's home, but maybe for people listening that don't know anything that Samaritan's Purse supports this, can you Mm -hmm. describe this ministry to us and how you are in partnership with Samaritan's Purse? Uh, We have four homes in Northern Thailand, um, children's homes. We have another one in Southern Thailand near uh, in a place called Panga, which is where the um, tsunami occurred in 2004. And uh, then we have a, a project also in Cambodia that we have a school that has over 400 children um, Christian school which is wonderful and then we have a home there as well mm-hmm. and so uh, Samaritan's Purse had sent over some people over some donors that had had come alongside us and Samaritan's Purse had built that baby home and uh, it was on that day when God spoke to my heart through his word and I knew that I was going to live there and, and the work I remember doing the grouting and one of the baby's rooms and thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful to be here when, when those babies came? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that God smiled because since that time, we've had 56 babies go through that, that home, mm-hmm. the baby home. And uh, Samaritan's Purse has come alongside us in many different ways, whether it be with, with buildings and, and um, vehicles, different things that would just help with the work that's to be done with the children. Mm-hmm. And it's been so wonderful because... The one thing I love more than anything about being um, with Samaritan's Purse is that um, we can we can give those children, we can give them a safe home to live, and that's very important. We can give them education, mm-hmm. but the same as Samaritan's Purse Mercy Ministry, we're we're founded in biblical ministry, and we want to raise these children to be the future leaders, the future army, mm-hmm. um, bringing the gospel to Thailand. I love Mark's heart for these children to grow up learning about Jesus and walking with God in a secure and loving home. I actually had the chance to visit Mark at the children's home in Thailand, and I was forever changed. These children truly grow up with loving caretakers who disciple, train, and prepare them for adulthood. And these children often leave uh, to attend universities and work in the community. And many of these kids grow up to serve in the ministry, or become evangelists wherever the Lord calls them. This isn't the case for for many kids around the world. Over 30,000 children age out every day around the world. This is why global orphan care like Children's Home or other places or adoption is desperately needed. The kids within Mercy Ministries are deeply impacted by Marg and the other caretakers, but over and over again, Marg mentions that she is changed by these kids. 
Thank you. And then speaking, and you've, you've mentioned it as we've talked about these, these kids coming from, you know, these vulnerable children, some are true mm-hmm. orphans, some are, some do have mm-hmm. family. Um, talk to me about what God has done in your heart and to you personally working with, with orphans. Well, James one twenty seven says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world. So when I first arrived in Thailand, uh, we were building the house, of course, and then the baby started to come. And each each one, some um, some of my first babies were um, were AIDS orphans. Uh, some of them were uh, their parents had HIV. And so you just you just had a broken heart for some of these children. Some of them were abandoned. And like I said, some children were even, even had been sold and we were able to rescue some children. Of course, we read about it and we hear about it, but when you actually see, so how did it impact me in a very difficult way? Because to, to see the faces of these young children that have been used and abused, you, you can't help but be heartbroken. But then, like I say, then you get to see how God we didn't have we didn't have children psychologists or or twelve um, step programs or all those things that the Western world will offer, mm-hmm. but we had Jesus mm-hmm. and our children and the lives of other children. They allowed God. They allowed God to heal the broken hearts, and I, I've I've seen that in each one of their lives. So so when I when I say that, it's sometimes we feel uh, hopeless. And we think, what can we do? Mm-hmm. But what we can do is tell them about Jesus. These children, once they lay, ha- lay, lay hold of the truth of who Jesus Christ is, then we see their hearts, are, their hearts are healed. And God binds up their wounds and they continue on in a life following Jesus. The Happy Homes in Thailand and the Greta Home Academy are just two of the places around the world that Samaritan's Purse provides orphan care and family support. The need for orphan care is a crisis all around the world. Children deserve loving homes, supportive families, and devoted communities that they can rely on as they grow. 160 million orphans is an overwhelming number, and it's hard to take in. But consider this. If only 8% of people who identify as a Christian would take in one orphan out of these 160 million, there would be no more orphans. And of course, orphan care is more than just adoption. It's supporting families who are called to adopt, it's prayer, it's advocacy, and it's speaking out. This National Adoption Month, Edward and I are honored to share our story of how we brought our son Levi home from China. The voice you hear talking to us is Melissa, who is the Director of Communications and a vital team member on our podcast team. Well, I think people often ask if Samaritan's Purse works with orphan care. We're, you know, we're, and we obviously don't do adoptions. We don't do grants or help people adopt, but we support several orphanages. You know, I got to work at one in Thailand, the baby's home we talked to Mark Baker about. But um, I think it's just, yeah, people ask us so many questions about our adoption story. And so I thought during National Orphan Awareness Month in November, and Orphan Sunday is the second Sunday of November. So we thought we would share our story. 
Well, and I know it'll be a great blessing to a lot of people who are very curious about adoption. And I know, Christy, you've shared with me in the past that this was something that the Lord put on your hearts pretty early in your marriage, but uh, kind of got laid aside because life happens, Um, but then came full circle after you had already had three children. So, Edward, can you maybe talk to us a little bit about that process? It was laid on my heart one time reading Scripture, just I felt called to adopt maybe one day. And then Christy and I got married, and uh, I went off to combat on my first deployment. Christy just mentioned she worked at a at an orphanage through Samaritan's Purse. And while I was deployed, I think just to help pass the time, we did not have children then, but she was going to go work at this orphanage. And in my mind, she's going to fall in love with a kid, and then I'm going to come home. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. So I sent her a note saying— hey, if this happens, I'm fine with it. And she's like, basically, as she's doing now, she's laughing. And she's like, you idiot. You you can't adopt from this orphanage. I was like, okay, good. Dodged a bullet. But we life goes on. We have children. I have multiple deployments. But we had talked, and we felt, yes, we will adopt one day. But we kept having our own children, which is a great thing. God blessed us. Um, but also never, there wasn't really a right time because I was never home. I was gone for, you know, home six months, gone for four months, or gone for a year. And um, my grandmother, my mom's mom, when she passed away, my grandfather already passed away, but when she passed, she left us a little money. And we're sitting at her uh, funeral, and I just felt convicted. So I looked over, my aunt had just told me she left us a little, it wasn't a lot of money, not even enough to fund an adoption. Um, But I just looked at uh, Christy, and I was like, college or life? And she just smiled and says, I choose life. So... When we came home from that funeral, we started the adoption process. So, I love that. I choose life. I think he thought it would take a little longer, but I, of course, like had already had all these ideas and agencies, <laughs> and I kind of already knew. I thought, so yeah, I jumped started, on it, it really quick. Been, all of a sudden, we had everything we needed in, in one day. So, I mean, it's like she she basically had it filed away, pushed a go button, <laughs> and all of a sudden, we had like a packet in front of us. So, yeah, well, and the Lord through that waiting process, Christy, did you feel promptings throughout, like maybe the Lord kept bringing it to your mind that this was what you were supposed to do? Yes. So, I always wanted to adopt, prayed, you know, when we met, I think we talked about it early, but like you said, it was just, it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. And and I love the way, because I, I can kind of have a passion for something and then move on. But this was something that God wouldn't allow me to move on, you know, even though we had several kids and it just wouldn't go away. It just would kept coming back. And again, he was always willing, but the timing just never was right. So I kept praying, God, take this desire away from me because I wanted to so badly, but the timing wasn't right. Or show him when it's time because I don't want to move forward if it's not your time. And so I got involved, started volunteering in a pregnancy center, thought, okay, I'm just going to advocate and help those that are. Um, and that was great and showed me, I think, just revealed more and more of what God's heart was for our family. Um, But like he said, the minute the timing was right. And so again, God just prepared the right people at the right time to walk us through it. And so they were able to help us find, you know, a really great Christian uh, agency to work with. And so then it just went from there. Tell me what that process is like so that, you know, maybe people who are listening who might be interested in doing just this will will have a better understanding of what that process is. Well, they call it the paperwork, paperwork pregnancy. You know, it is typically, I mean, 
at least a year, typically, of paper chasing and, you know, blood work and home studies. And our agency described it as, um, it's like being in the wilderness, you know, where the Israelites, you know, it's it's daunting. There's so many unknowns. There's, I mean, China is one of the most predictable, it's, I think it's still unpredictable because it's adoption, but it's one of the more predictable countries. Things go pretty, um, there's not a lot of corruption. It, it For the most part, you kind of know what to expect and so that's good. They kind of could give us a timeline, and it stayed pretty true. So we knew what we were chasing. But again, there's a lot of waiting. You have to send off your dossier and all these things. And so it is. It's hard. And then I think for us, once we knew who our child was, I think it was another six months until we could travel. And that was probably the hardest part. That, that's you, the hard part. You do. You feel like you're in the wilderness. But then they described that once you bring your child home— that is conquering the promised land, right? You're, the wilderness might be over, but it, it's not easy. You know, you still have to, yes, the Lord promised it to the Israelites, and he was with them, and he was going to help them conquer these enemies, but there were still going to be obstacles. So I think our agency pro- pro- helped us to enjoy the waiting and kind of embrace it, and I think there is a good to it. And so I, help, I think it helps you to pray, yeah. be Maybe. patient. So there are some good things about that and safeguarding and— um, but yeah, it was hard and it was long and like the kids, yeah, because I think in the waiting, God prepares you and just like a pregnancy, it, there's a reason, you know, it's a good thing to have that longing and that, um, but yeah, I think for us, especially once we knew who it was, you know, you've already missed four years and so you just ache and you you don't want to miss any more minutes. Um, but God redeems and restores and I think has made up for the time that we've lost and I mean, I still wish we could have had that, but I don't feel like there's a gap. I feel like he's always been with us, and we haven't missed a beat. So God's been really sweet in redeeming that, and I think he was in a a good orphanage. I mean, that's not usually the case, but his was a loving, sweet environment. We we have photos. So they kept good records. They had photos of him growing up. They had, like, his little footprints. Mm -hmm. A Christian organization taught them how to keep records. And when the lady dropped him off, you know, she teared up and was crying and so excited and cheering, like— it was a sweet handoff. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he was scared to death, but quickly warmed up. But Levi, when we show him photos, even because he was four and a half, he remembers things about his orphanages, IEs, um, and he looks at him with affection. And um, he's he's such a sweet boy and uh, very very tender and very loving. He very fact he he bonded with me probably quicker than Christy because Christy got sick over there, really sick. Um, no one's gonna be ready. No one's fully ready with the challenges that come with adoption. That's okay. Uh, we're not. We're not perfect. Uh, God is, and God will give us the strength and the resources, and he is a very sweet and loving kid. But my family's been supportive. Will, my brother Will and Roy, from the beginning, they helped us out, but Will called us every day, I think, in China, just to check on his nephew. And um, Sissy was waiting there at the airport when we landed with my mother, you know, to welcome us home. Um, we've had a lot of support, so— we have been blessed um, more than I could ever thank the Lord with the help of, of going through this. So I think if you go through it praying, being involved in a great church and a church community and surround you with friends that are going to support, you can do it. Well, that's what I say. You can't do it alone. I mean, first of all, your spouse. And that's why whenever people ask me about it, I say, first of all, you both have to be united. Yep. You both have to want to do this. Because I have a couple friends that were so gung-ho and their husbands kind of went along with it, you know, 
okay, but they really weren't in it. And it, it's caused some friction and resentment. And I think for us, we both were on the same page. We wanted to. Husband. What has having Levi in your life, all of our children should teach us something about God. And um, the Lord certainly uses them to teach us patience and all kinds of other things. Um, but Levi in particular, what have you learned about the nature of God? He's teaching me, I think, Christ's love um, more than I'm teaching him Christ's love. Uh, that innocent, you know, pure agape um, that I can't teach him. I didn't teach it to him. He came with that. God had given him that. Um, there are certain things I'm teaching him about behavior and discipline, but I think he's teaching me unconditional love. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is like all adoption, even if you from a baby, I mean, all of it comes from loss. You know, there is. And, and so it's the gospel manifested in a human, you know, flesh. It came from loss. You know, it came from s- sadness, sickness. Like the best thing for him would have been to be with his biological parents. You know, that is, but that's a loss to not have been with them, you know. And to, I, so far, he doesn't, you know, he'll say sometimes, can we go find her? You know, and, um, but that was a loss, you know, whether he recognizes or not. And as of now, like he said, the minute he met us, he started calling us Mama and Baba, which mm-hmm. Baba's dad, from day one. And so he taught me, like he said, the childlike faith. But as I said, ad- ad- adoption in the gospel, you know, starts with loss. It comes from, and it starts with, you know, the gospel. It's It required death, death upon a cross, because that that gap was not able to be bridged, you know. So Jesus, you know, God sent his son Jesus to bridge that gap. So that loss and sadness— turned into redemption and beauty, you know? So now we can look at the cross and we can wear a cross and it's a beautiful symbol, right? So that's kind of what adoption is too. It's it's loss and it's tragedy wrapped into beauty and redemption. And so it's beautiful, but yeah, he reminds me every day just by his, and just even when he calls me mom, sometimes I'll just stop. And, and there's actually a quote that says, you know, the tragedy, a child born to another woman calls me mommy. The magnitude of that tragedy and the depth of that privilege are not lost on me. You know, it's and sometimes it will. It'll just stop me. And I just think, you know, that's what we are. Like you said, we're adopted into Christ's family. We are Abraham's seed now, not by our natural birth, but God made us co-heirs. And so sometimes I'll just watch through him. God, I want that faith to you, you know, because you love me more than, you know, even I can love Levi, but yet, we're a physical representation of that. So yeah, he does just a daily, just his his trusting eyes and his the way he just trusts us. And I think they're, I mean, they're so inspiring um, to those of us who have not, you know, gone down this road, but um, and just seeing the Lord's hand in all of it and the Lord's hand on sweet Levi. Um, and, you know, for those who are listening right now who who are feeling inspired or maybe are in a place where you were at the beginning of your marriage, where you were just praying and maybe this is for us, maybe this isn't, what what would you say to those people out there right now? You know, it, it goes back to being committed to prayer. Christy's right. You have to be united. Um, it's not to go into lightly. But this is an opportunity, I think, for the church to be the church. So there's ways to help. And especially once the adoption goes through. So, you know, you can help cook, prepare meals, watch the other kids because there's other appointments and stuff. There's ways you can be involved in adoption and be a part of adoption. But all of this should be bathed in prayer mm-hmm. and and go and, and don't approach this lightly. Um, I do believe 
I don't believe everybody can do it. I agree with that. I don't like it when people say, oh, I can't do that because you're putting God in a box. Um, if you tell God you're not going to do something or you can't do something, you better watch out. Um, you better be prepared for what's about to come. And our family was never complete um, without Levi. And we still may not be complete. I haven't closed the door to further on adoption. Um, but for those families and those churches out there that have family members that are thinking about it, pray for them. Be a part of it. Don't be afraid not to be a part of it. Ask where you can serve. How can I serve you during this process? Be the biggest cheerleaders. Yeah, I was going to say the same. I mean, but I, I would encourage, and I love Francis, Francis Chan. He said, we need to err on the side of action because we tend to default to negligence. Why not assume you should adopt unless you hear a voice telling you not to? You know, like, why not just assume you're supposed to adopt? And then if the doors close or you don't meet the criteria or, you know, it just doesn't. But if more people did that, you know, we, w- we might not have as many orphans. But I, I would say also, if you don't know an adoptive family, go find one. That's that's the biggest thing I would say from this podcast. Like Edward said, there are so many ways to get involved. Prayer is a great first step. But action can come in many ways. There are direct ways to get involved, but there are also so many supportive ways. Some of the supportive ways are to reach out to an adoptive or foster family, offer a meal, babysit, or give financial support. Um, Continued support truly is essential as families navigate attachment, doctor's appointments, and everyday chaos that adoption brings into your family. But if you feel stirred to get involved um, directly, um, I encourage you to reach out. Um, the, The agency that we used was Lifeline Children's Services, and it's a wonderful adoption agency that has so many resources and training available. They can answer any question you have or help you discern next steps to find more information. Another way you can get involved is by packing a shoebox through Operation Christmas Child. You may not know, but Operation Christmas Child sends boxes all over the world, and many of the places these boxes go are to orphanages. There have been so many uh, orphans that have received a box and found Jesus Christ and, and, and been able to be adopted into his family. And it's, it's just awesome to see the way that they see that God loves them, sees them, and cares for them. I pray that this episode challenges you to take a step towards getting involved in orphan care. Again, that's going to look different for all of us. So seek the Lord and have him search your heart for how you can get involved. Um, and to be praying more specifically for orphans around the world. Thank you so much for tuning in, and God bless you.